Today on the Freedom Cast, Robert Novak Journalism Fellow Joy Pullman is here. We'll talk about the big business push for Common Core, what it teaches your kids about the Constitution, and what a math lesson looks like inside a Common Core classroom. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the March 19th, 2014 edition of the Freedom Cast. Joining us now on the Freedom Cast, Robert Novak, journalism fellow and education research fellow at the Heartland Institute. Our good friend Joy Pullman is back. Joy, thanks so much for being here. Hi there, Brad. Thanks. Let's talk Common Core. You have done some great writing at uh, our colleague Ben Dominich's uh, Federalist about mm-hmm. Common Core recently. Um, this is a subject uh, close to home for a lot of people. Uh, you and I each have young kids. It's something that <clears throat> we're going to have to face as they go to school here in the next few years. Um, before we get sort of uh, more in-depth in this, just to refresh our listeners, tell us exactly what Common Core is and sort of a brief history of, of how we got here, because I think that's something not everybody understands. Sure, sure. So, well, the, the simple thing to understand is Common Core is basically a template for curriculum and tests, and it's going to be paired with some national tests that the federal government is funding, which happens to be illegal, but they're doing it anyway, um, that are supposed to roll out this coming spring in 2015. Um, So uh, basically, uh, the idea is, uh, so they apply to math and English, so they basically kind of set out what a bunch of bureaucrats think that kids should be learning in grades K-12 in those two subjects um, all the way through. And the, uh, the, the kind of tagline or the goal that they say is that every kid who gets a Common Core education is supposed to be then ready to go into college without remedial coursework. So there are a lot of um, questions about this, not least of which um, is just whether the, you know, the Fed should be involved to the degree that they have and whether nationalizing education is a good idea and so forth. But then there's, of course, the more flashy things that you see in places like the Daily Caller are just parents finding some of the homework or the lesson plans or, you know, dads with PhDs can't figure out what this kind of new style of math is all about and so forth. And that's where, it, you know, when, once, when, where it starts coming into people's homes and their kids' classrooms. Yeah, I, I think what's scary about this to me and I think to a lot of people is that it education is going from something that has been locally controlled, whether that's your state or your school board, where they're determining, you know, hey, this is best for our kids to learn. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to a national perspective and dc saying this is what you must learn that's that's really scary to me well and i try to explain to people why that's scary because i I mean a conservative gets it instantly but like an average person they would think okay you know there have been some polls done and then you know the average person who doesn't know anything about common core they think well why is it such a bad idea to have national goals for education and then it comes back to what you're just saying, the fact that you it's very, very hard for me or you to call up, you know, our, our U.S. senator or the president and say, hey, my kid's math homework sucks. 
do something about it. They don't, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you can't do anything about it. You can't make any changes. But if you go to your local school board meeting and you stand up there and you complain or you go with three other parents, then you actually can make a difference and have your complaints heard. And that's why it's really important that, you know, parents be able um, to have, you know, more leverage over what's happening to their own kids because we know and love them best. That's my philosophy anyway. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm the president, you may have different ideas about him, but he doesn't know my kids' names. And I not only know their names, I've known their heartbeat from the second it existed. So <laughs> I that's think a that little bit me, different. <laughs> yeah, pretty well to know what's good about their education. Um, so anyway, so Common Core, kind of the, the nationalization of U.S. education has been happening for a long time. It's not just like all of a sudden with Common Core, but Common Core does represent the next big step, especially for me. The real linchpin is those national, federally funded and controlled tests. I mean, once you have that test, test control so much about education nowadays. If you've got the feds, you know, saying what kids are going to learn when and, and whether teacher, how teachers should be judged on it and so forth, I mean, that's the end of local control right there. Let's, let's talk about uh, a piece you wrote entitled, If Anything, Common Core Teaches Kids to Hate the Constitution. Yes. When you read that, it, it's, it, it really gets you riled up. You're like, oh my gosh, because yeah. as as a conservative, that's one of the things we really treasure is, is the Constitution and what it teaches us. Why does Common Core and how does it do it? How, do, how does it teach kids to hate the Constitution? Because that's pretty yeah, scary. Well it is scary. And I mean, of course, you know, titles are meant to catch people's attention. So the real kind of train is a little more complicated than just that title. So let me kind of explain. Um, there's been some arguments flying around. Well, Common Core since it has come under fire once parents got wind of what it actually was. Um, it's also been the subject of a huge like PR rollout. The people who want Common Core in place have lots of money and they're spending it trying to persuade, especially conservatives, that we should like it. So part of that PR push, there was a fellow who wrote in The Atlantic a piece saying how great Common Core is because it recommends that kids study the Constitution. So he was saying this would revitalize, you know, American democracy and just teaching kids about, you know, our, our foundation, our foundational principles in the classroom and lots of other silly and nonsense things that I couldn't resist poking at. Um, and so then I talked about um, drawing on actually a lot of the research and analysis from a fellow named Terrence Moore. He's a professor at Hillsdale College. That's my alma mater, but I didn't have him as a professor. He's relatively new. He wrote a book called The Story Killers, which I'm mentioning because it's so excellent. If you want to know about Common Core, I get his book. Um, but in it, he talks about the books that the Common Core recommends that kids read in order to understand the Constitution. And he gives excerpts from them that are that will really shock any, you know, the sort of person who is listening to a Freedom Works podcast. They talk about how our founding fathers were racist, misogynistic, um, you know, they just hated black people and women, and they were not really looking to emancipate people and, and bring about such a stunning, you know, kind of a thing that had never been done before in the history of mankind, but a very negative level. And that's really the only introduction that the Common Core recommends that kids get to the U.S. Constitution. So when you hear, oh, the Common Core mandates that kids read the Bill of Rights, you know, and it mandates that they read the Constitution, you think that's a great thing until you learn how it, you know, the recommended reading that it has would poison kids against those documents that we really treasure. That's really kind of scary because I... Obviously, this is a country that, uh, you know, put a, put a lot into becoming the U.S. It's a country that treasures <laughs> yeah. freedom of speech. It's a country unlike anywhere else. And yeah. I think it's safe to say that, that we all think it's the greatest country on earth. If 
our president agrees with us or, or, or not is an entirely different discussion. But uh, how is it that they can look at these standards in Washington and say, hey, it's a good idea to teach our kids about the Constitution that way? Well, I think if you that probably really goes back to the state of university education, because, you know, we know, but maybe the American public doesn't that universities are, are so leftist it isn't even funny, you know. You, you <clears throat> So as, as a result of that, a lot of the people who think they're really well educated have been only given one side of the debate about our, our founding and our, our constitution and so forth. And so they think that is the actual literal gospel truth, and of course kids should be learning this in K-12. Um, unfortunately, of course, that story, that one-sided liberal way of thinking about the, the, our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and so forth as really narrow documents that are, you know, d done by dead old white guys and so forth. Um, that is a, such a twisted way of looking at that. You yeah. only know that, you know, if you've had the chance to study the history and see the other side of it. Um, and so I think people who are bureaucrats deciding that central planning is good for U.S. education are not the type who are likely have been exposed to the other side of history that would really, you know, the kind that we are more attuned to that would make us venerate our founders and really respect the amazing things that they were able to do. Let's talk about something you highlighted, something else you highlighted on The Federalist, that big business is really mm -hmm. targeting Common Core as uh, they're really pushing it. Bill Gates is one of the guys behind it. He has been uh, all over the place recently trumpeting his ideas. Uh, talk to us about that for a minute, because there is a huge lobby for Common mm -hmm. Core, and it's really pushing against, uh, you know, the little guy who's who's standing up against us. It is. I, I mean, some, I actually, with my fellowship that you mentioned, I've been able to dig into some of the documents um, about, you know, just some of the tax documents and so forth to find out that the federal government is spending almost $10 million of your tax dollars promoting Common Core, even as you're not sure if that's such a good idea. So, you know, it's kind of a weird situation when you live in a, uh, a republic where people are supposed to, you know, have a voice in their own government. And then when the government is trying to influence that voice, that's kind of a shady circle, I think. Um, so, but not only that, the federal government, but a great number of private uh, nonprofit organizations have banded together. Like I said earlier, they discovered, wow, we're taking some hits here. You know, the project we thought was so great is, is you know, and the and when people hear about both sides of it, actually polls show that they tend to uh, be against Common Core. So they decided we got to do something and we're going to spend a lot of money um, to start convincing people how great Common Core is. So, for example, you're going to start seeing ads in Fox News because they've got the money to buy ads in Fox News, you know, showing teachers saying how great Common Core is and how it's going to help kids and so forth. Um, so they really have the money to be able to get their message out. And as I've been traveling the country, looking at the people and looking at this battle and so forth, the people who are fighting Common Core don't have millions of dollars. They're moms. So I tell some of their stories in that Federalist piece. They're moms who, you know, <laughs> well, I'll just be honest right here. I don't know if you can hear my child gurgling in the background, but they're moms like me who are, you know, holding their baby with one arm and recording a Freedom Works podcast <laughs> with the other. <laughs> you know, I talked to, I know one mom from Kansas. Her name is Kristen George. She's got two little boys. And she takes them, you know, to the capital. Her in-laws live near the Kansas capital. She drives five hours one way. 
She gives her pack and play and her little kids to their grandparents <laughs> and runs to the Capitol with her smartphone. And she's going up and down to lawmakers' offices saying, vote for my bill, vote for my bill. I don't want Common Core in my state. And then, you know, then and the same thing, you know, is happening in state houses all across the country. It's it's again, it's these moms who are, you know, giving up their nice quiet time at home, their evenings, you know, those very precious few evenings when the kids are in bed you know, quiet. They could be watching, you know, a TV show, relaxing with a glass of wine. You know, it's been a hard day for them. And instead, they're online. They're reading tax documents like I am. They're looking up these contracts where the state, you know, has has sold out their kids information to big companies who have contacts and so forth. So I really see that fight. I mean, it really is. It's it's the big guys against the little guys um, where you have um, you know, uh, the crony capitalists on one side and the big government folks all bundled together against the little guy who is saying, look, I want. I want the promise of this country to be true for me and my kids. I have the birthright to have a say in my government. You know, that is my right as an American. And don't stop plotting against me and stop taking away my ability to govern myself and have a say in these laws. You actually looked into what Common Core actually looks like. This story that you had on The Federalist is, uh, is, is quite illuminating because you had real trouble finding someone who would let you actually look at, at what Common Core is in a classroom? Tell us about this, because when I read this, I, I thought, wow, well, if these people are so excited about it and so willing to lobby for it, why aren't they being more open about what it is? Oh, well, I think probably if somebody Googles me, you find out pretty obvious, pretty clearly that I am against Common Core. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I hope that I'm a fair-minded person and I'm I'm well I'm willing to go and say, look, show me your best. Show me why you think this is good and I will tell people, right? I'm not just, you know, a narrow-minded hack trying to kill this this beast and so forth. Um but so I think in I mean, I think part of it is just that if people look up my name, who's contacting us to come take a look at our classrooms, they might say, oh, well, she's probably, you know, not going to give us a good read, so we won't talk to her. And I don't know how much of that is at play. And I also don't know, how, but I also have another suspicion that because Common Core became really radioactive, um, people just have shut down about it. It is, it's generally hard to get into a school to kind of look at classrooms and see what teachers are teaching kids. Um, and I don't think that's just, you know, out of safety for the student. It might be because schools feel defensive about the job that they're doing. I mean, I know that for parents, it's even difficult to get to see their own kids' classrooms sometimes. You ha might have to get a background check or you have to, you know, complain to the principal or, or, or whatever else. Um, but I contacted, I think, uh, if, the, if memory serves me right, about nine different schools and school districts in three different states. I live in Indiana, so I contacted several schools in Indiana and Michigan, and then I have family in Wisconsin, so I thought, well, I'll try some schools in Wisconsin, you know, and so forth. Um, and, and I tried some school districts in Ohio, and I kept calling and calling. I'm a pretty persistent person, so I'm, you know, I always think, oh, maybe they're busy. You know, people with a school, they've got a lot to do lot on their mind, you know, so I would call over the course of several weeks. And anyway, so all of that process through about five weeks of pestering as many different schools as I could reasonably travel to in a day, I finally found one near Indianapolis who said, come on in, uh, we'll show you what we do that we call Common Core and what it looks like in a classroom. Yeah. So as you were there, as you're observing this, what was it like? Because parents who aren't able to do this, as you mentioned, it is quite difficult to get into a school when 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 I was a kid, you just walk into school, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and oh, my mom is works at a. I mean, my mother in law works at 
a school in Montana, and she's the receptionist. They just put in security. I mean, it's this little rural school in Montana, and they just put up metal detectors and these big giant steel doors and so forth, you know, like they're preparing for an invasion. <laughs> in case the zombies come to your Montana school, your children are safe. Well, I, maybe that's because we grew up in the pre-Columbine era. I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. But what... As a parent, as I mentioned, you and I are both parents. As a parent, when you when you look at something like this firsthand, um, what does it what does it mean, and how can everybody who's listening really understand it through your eyes? Mm. Well, I do want to say that I mean the teachers that I was able to see, they're the best in the district. I mean, you know, obviously the the fellow who was showing me around was like, obviously we're not we're showing you our best, we're putting our best foot forward, and they were very clearly good teachers. They were engaged with the kids. They were very energetic. You know, they had very well thought out lesson plans. And I have taught before, and I know how hard it is to keep that energy up, you know, for that long with all those kids staring at you and, and to come up with all these different ideas of ways to help them learn while being really interested. So the teachers were really fabulous. Um, and that was something that really made me think, wow, you know, I, I wouldn't mind my kid in this classroom. And then, um, and but then some of the things, however, you know, as a parent, I'm not really keen on having my kids stare at screens all the time. De developmentally, I know that that's not really so good for them. And I just kind of prefer kids, uh, you know, talking to human beings and reading books and, you know, looking at their own world rather than screens. Um, so there was a, a lot more screens, you know, than I would have preferred. However, I know that's just pretty typical um, in schools. Um, but that is a part of Common Core as well. Because um, there are a number of things in Common Core that require children to do things like make PowerPoints, you know, be uh, and and um, just be able to, you know, use search engines and so forth. It's called digital literacy. Um, so, I mean, that's again, you know, some people are into, you know, online learning and that sort of thing. So that's just kind of maybe a style preference. Um, but but then the one thing that I guess I'll just tell this anecdote that really brought it home to me after things looked really, you know, glittery and the teachers are obviously very capable. I was just standing in the back of the classroom after the teacher had done a lesson to kids. She's teaching them how to add, add double digit numbers. And so, of course, I'm thinking, <laughs> of course, you stack the numbers, you add them up, right column, you know, some left column, some the answer. Um, and she never once did that. Instead, and, and this is what Common Core does tell her to do. Now she's teaching the kids their learning strategies. So that's basically every way you can think of to add things without using what we call the standard algorithm where you stack, you know, and just add <laughs> columns. <laughs> um, and she was doing a very good job doing it. But then when I watched that, she sent all the kids to their desks. She sent all the kids to their desks. They were supposed to work in pairs because collaboration, of course, is part of Common Core. You're required to collaborate. I just read a Common Core standard yesterday that was about how students must collaborate and communicate with diverse partners. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, it's just um, so the kids are sitting at their desk two by two, and they take out their math manipulatives. These are basically, you know, foam sticks and cubes that represent tens and ones, you know, uh, columns and items. And so they're supposed to be adding uh, these numbers up. And so the kids, uh, they, because they, I guess the, the short answer, so I'm standing just next to these two little girls, and I thought, okay, I'll watch how they do this. Basically, the conclusion that I found was it took them nine minutes to incorrectly add up the numbers, and they incorrectly added up the numbers because they had so many different manipulatives, you know, bumbling around their desk that they couldn't keep track of them accurately. Um, and so then they both thought that they were done, you know, and they sat and waited patiently for the teacher to say, okay, next thing. Um, you know, 
But what really struck home to me was these kids are not learning to add efficiently. <laughs> I mean, they had a fun time and it was an engaging lesson, but at the end of the lesson, the kids didn't add correctly. And it took them, you know, three, three to four times as long to get one problem wrong as it would have taken them to get it right using the old standard basic method. Wow. Um, you mentioned in one of your pieces that, that Common Core does not prepare kids to uh, succeed in, in a STEM setting. Explain that to us for a minute. My, my wife is very big on that as a, as mm -hmm. a possible future for our kids. I think she would be incredibly happy if our daughter ended up being an engineer or something. Ex mm. Explain that to our listeners because that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Sure. Well, the short way to put it is that, and I, you know, I am not a content or a math expert. <laughs> I'm very far. I, t I failed algebra one the first time through. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You and so. me both. You and me both. <laughs> um, but uh, from folks who do understand that, but the ba one of the main contentions is that Common Core has kids. The, the main track is for all kids to take algebra in grade nine. And if you take algebra in grade nine, you cannot possibly get to calculus by the end of high school. And if you do not get to calculus by the end of high school, you really are in a remedial student if you're entering any STEM field in college. So that's one of the ways. And not only that, Common Core itself is really, I mean, they water down the math, uh, especially the high school math. So, so all of the algebra concepts, they call it an algebra class, but all of the algebra concepts for a, a real standard algebra class are not inside the Common Core algebra content. It's the same thing with uh, Algebra 2. They say it goes through Algebra 2, but it's really like half of Algebra 2 and so forth. So you have these labels that say Algebra 1, Geometry, Algebra 2, and that sounds really good, but the problem is, you know, not all the parts are inside that course to really be a full Algebra 1 algebra two course so those are some of the problems that folks have said um, and and then you know the comeback that I've heard from common core supporters is oh well everyone is not going into STEM and obviously if you think you have the aptitude well then you should be on the fast track right but okay you know that's fine for kids whose parents are really probably like you and your wife who are in tune with their kids aptitudes and needs but what about those kids you know whose parents aren't their best advocates or aren't, who aren't looking out for them and haven't heard yeah your kid needs to be doing algebra by grade 8 to prepare for that STEM career those are the kids who are going to be disadvantaged by being in the main track that is setting them back I remember when I was a when I was a kid uh, we had the ability to take algebra I think in like 7th grade my husband did that. He's the math person. Thank goodness. Yeah, I still sucked at it, but I at least had the <laughs> opportunity to, <laughs> to take it early. Um, so uh, let, let me ask this. Let's go out on this. What can our listeners do to uh, help right now uh, deal, either deal with Common Core in their state, push back against Common Core in their state? Um, what, what is it that they can do right now to, to help in this situation? Well, there, I recommend them getting in touch with their existing grassroots networks. I mean, I don't have any – I'm in touch with a lot of the grassroots folks, but I'm not, like, controlling or monitoring any of them. So you need to go – I would do a Facebook search, you know, Stop Common Core and then name your state or Against Common Core in the name of your state. Um, I think FreedomWorks also has a database of ways that you can plug into your local activist networks. And then once you get in touch with your local grassroots, uh, uh, the, um, a really great website to go to is called – truthinamericaneducation.com. That's kind of the main uh, nexus of all the folks across the country. That's the anti-common core hub, I guess. Um, so through those ways, you know, find folks you can plug into and have them tell you when rallies are coming up, you know, when, when bills are coming up, go to your local school board and talk to them and so on and so forth. Just kind of the basic 
grassroots sorts of thing, but I really recommend getting plugged into those networks of people who are already in your state doing the same thing. Joy Pullman, the Robert Novak Journalism Fellow. You can find her stuff on uh, heartland.org. She does some great work. Joy, thanks so much. It's been great having you here. really appreciate it. Oh, thank you.